0: Welcome in, everybody. It's the podcast. We have a lot to get to, namely the fourth down calls, the analytics debate that is not real. I am here to tell you that what you're hearing from folks is fake outrage, and we're going to get to it off the top, Uh, along with everything that happened in Week 15. Brady shut out by the Saints. Indianapolis is an absolute force in the AFC. The Cowboys, they're in fine shape. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, two in Miami, maybe the most underreported story of the year. Let's get to it. I can't wait. It's episode 67 of the podcast. I typically like to think that I don't hate many people. I, I typically like to believe that, you know, I may I may not love you. I may not like you. I can tolerate you. But one thing that I do not like, and maybe you could say hate, is frauds. I hate things that are fraudulent. And one thing that is, is this fourth and, and go stuff. This 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 fourth down, go for it, that the media seems to make us or want us to believe that there's a divide. There There's not. What the media does is at this point, they're just assuming, they're literally not checking their mentions. They have 55,000 followers, which, you know, is a lot. But all things considered... When we're talking about the community and the consumers that are pro football, that's not that much. They are assuming that there's some idiot on Twitter with no profile picture, 10 followers, and clearly is posting something with satirical intentions, has genuine thoughts behind kicking the PAT for Baltimore. Baltimore, again, they went for two and failed yesterday at Green Bay, lost 31-30. to The media wants you to believe that there's some out there that think Baltimore should not have done that. There isn't. Everybody is on board that Baltimore should have gone for two. They had scored two touchdowns with Tyler Huntley, undrafted quarterback out of Utah. The guy isn't going to be in the league in two years, I don't think. I, I would put, be fairly confident that he's not going to be in the league in two years. Yet, he scored two touchdowns in four minutes in the fourth quarter with no defensive backs on the other side for Baltimore and a depleted skills group as well. They went for the win, as they should have. Everybody who watched that game, everybody who consumes football knows that that's the right move. But for whatever reason... This little platform that Jack created where NFL reporters, columnists, uh, 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 radio hosts go, they post these messages and they seem to just be anticipating now the reactions to something like this. It's just not fair because it's not true. It's an ostensible account. Nobody is saying, don't go for it. Everybody is. Baltimore did the same thing two weeks ago. Everybody was for it. I think it's comical and also a criminal in a way that the media elitists try to get on their high horse and tell us what fans are saying when really they're not even exhausting uh, the proper methods to go about that. They're they're literally going to this efficient and effective model, which again, I'm on Twitter. I use it, but I, I pretty much just post. I don't really read much. They are using it as the lifeblood of how they go about creating their content. And it's shameful because in this instance, when you have Baltimore who goes for it, does the right thing instead of, oh, they came up short and talking about Green Bay being the NFC champs and how Baltimore is in a tough spot. They seem to just be boiling it down to this decision as if there's a huge divide. There's not. Everybody believes you should have gone for it. Don't let them tell you otherwise, because look around. Are any of your friends that you're talking to at work are any of your friends that you're talking to at the bar or at your house or family members that you're texting with? Are they saying that was a bad call? No, they're not because everybody's in the same corner. But the media, because they have obviously their own uh, accounts and their own agendas and, and uh, own concerns, they make you believe so. This is the perfect example of speaking something into existence, and it's just not true. Switching over to the actual material, uh, Tom Brady shut out for the first time since 2006. Hats off to Dennis Allen. I've been really tooting his horn for the past like three years now. The guy should be getting head coaching jobs, and again, just another thing, as far as how people are selected for those NFL jobs, it's really comical nowadays. It's why you see these flameouts left and right. Whether it's you know Robert Sala, soon to be Adam Gase, um, you know just uh, uh, Pat Shermer. Like I mean, it's just ridiculous how guys are chosen. Yet someone like Dennis Allen is just thriving down in New Orleans for several years now. You don't hear a peep. You, you really don't. He, he's maybe the most well-sound defensive coordinator outside of Vic Fangio and like Wink Martindale, like, like top five, for sure. Top five for sure in my book. And he just devised a game plan to shut out Brady. And he's not even the head coach of the team, but he had those responsibilities as well. Sean Payton's got to be, you know, very, very happy with a game like that. Again, you know, they didn't play well in all facets, but you got Taysom Hill at quarterback. He scored nine points. If you told me that I'd be like, yeah, okay. That's, Sounds about right. No way you won the game, but you did. So hats off to Allen. And, um, you know, they're they're seventh in the NFC. And that's hard to believe in a lot of ways. You got ACL tear to Jameis Winston. And then Simeon, who you stick in uh, right after Winston. He doesn't play well. You would think the third guy up, this is going to be a sinking ship. No, this speaks to just New Orleans, Sean Payton. And I'm not going to go as far to say culture, but they are, ability to play multiple ways. Like it used to be, throw it down the field with Drew Brees and all these receivers, whether it's uh, Marquise Colson back in the day, Reggie Bush even out of the backfield. Um, but then they transition late in Brees's career to more of a finesse, intermediate, high percentage throw offense. Now they're just like in the trenches trying to beat you on offensive and defensive line play. And they got, you know, some good playmakers on the back end and in the secondary and obviously have Kamara still. But, you know, it's very New England-like that Sean Payton is saying, I'm okay having to adjust my game plan, adjust my uh, roster and overall scheme based off what I got. And that's a sign of not only a really good head coach, not, not just like, you know, Ron Rivera type, that's more like Hall of Fame level stuff. And you know what? He's a Bill Parcells disciple from those Dallas Cowboys teams and the, in the early 2000s. So, you know, Sean Payton, I'm, you know, I'm almost giving him credit for Dennis Allen getting the win. It's more so, let's just give a hat tip here to New Orleans. They lose Drew Brees and they're about to make the playoffs. Like, yeah, and Jameis Winston is not quarterbacking them. He's actually rolling with Taysom Hill as the signal caller and, you know, they're competing in games. They won two weeks in a row now. Like, yeah, this is big time stuff. And for, for Tampa Bay and Brady, they really need to have the weapons. And, and it, Tom Brady's 44 years old. He's playing well. But as he has said, it's a skills league now. This isn't like a league built on toughness. Now, the Lions, they took down the Cardinals and beat them with toughness and out them. But Brady has been on record as saying, you know, look, it's a skills competition now. He didn't have a skills, guys. So, yeah, like, he, he's not going to win. And it's hat tip again to New Orleans, but Godwin is now out for the rest of the regular season. Furnett is going to miss one game probably, perhaps two, but Mike Evans seems to be okay. So it leads you to Antonio Brown. Is he going to be on the roster come tomorrow? That's when they have to make a final decision. It's 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow on Tuesday. I got to think, yeah, it's kind of hard seeing them just passing on a weapon when right now they are weapon depleted. They're going to just say, yeah, we're keeping Antonio Brown. We said what we said earlier, but (laughs) he's really good. We need him. We got a chance to go back-to-back Super Bowl. So Brady, Bucks, yeah, they they lost seeding in the playoffs. Like, that could ultimately haunt them. And, you know, that's not good when home games are maybe the most precious thing in the playoffs. They did go on the road last year and beat Green Bay. But ultimately, it's what Brady said. He doesn't have skills, guys. So, yeah, you got shut out because basically all the skills guys were gone. They were in the training room. Um, They're going to be back, um, and they'll be okay. So once they get those guys back, they will win. But main story here is Dennis Allen, you know, why isn't his name getting mentioned for head coaching jobs? He's really damn good. And Sean Payton, he's got a hell of a staff. And I think really someone like Dennis Allen more than Byron Leftwich should be getting some looks. One team that is taking a lot of flack as well as the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott really hasn't been throwing... Uh, The ball all that well since the calf injury. It's pretty clear he's still suffering from that. And that leg is not 100% because pre-calf injury uh, was doing pretty doggone good. Pushing the ball down the field to CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Gallup and company. Now, they're pretty limited offensively. But they are getting healthy. They got Tony Pollard back. They did beat the Giants, albeit 21-6. And, you know, 37 times you drop back, only 217 yards. So, you expect Dak? especially when you're paying them that boatload of cash to play a lot better. He's not though. I do feel pretty doggone comfortable about the Cowboys going forward though. They, they have been winning. Okay. When it's all said and done, a win is a win is a win. And you know, that's not the case in the college football circuit. It's my main gripe with it. You have to win by a certain amount. You got to beat a team that's ranked at a certain point in the schedule and it's, you know, ultimately arbitrary. You know, it's subjective in that a boardroom votes on how much your win is worth. Not in the NFL. When you win, that's all that matters. It speaks for itself. I love it. It's my favorite thing. And the Cowboys have done that three weeks in a row now. They have won multiple ways. Okay, they rattled off earlier this year six wins in a row. Six wins. Like like we said with New England, they won uh, six times in a row. The Chiefs have now won seven times in a row. That, that's a pretty big deal. And they beat the Saints, currently seventh seed in the a- NFC. They beat Washington, who entering the week was the seventh team in the NFC. They get to play on Tuesday because of COVID. And then they beat the, the rival New York Giants, who we all know is having a very, very bad season. I like their outlook, though. They're winning in multiple ways. They're turning the ball over on defense. They're getting sacks. They don't have to be perfect on offense. They don't have to. Dak doesn't have to throw the ball down the field. Just play turnover-free football. Something Dak Prescott, his first two years in the league, was crushing, crushing the touchdown-to-interception ratio. It was was obscene. Go back and look at his first year. I think he threw four interceptions in a 16-game schedule. A rookie did that. The Cowboys are in fine shape. I, I can make the argument they haven't even, you know, found their stride offensively through the air yet, and that playoff time might be their most dangerous point, uh, or, or the, you know, when they're most in tune here. Washington, Arizona, Philadelphia—that's the remaining schedule for the Cowboys. I, I really like their outlook. Division—if they win the NFC East, which it's pretty much a cakewalk from this point out—they're going to get a home game in the playoffs. That's a huge advantage. And let's not forget the Packers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is dealing with a pretty significant toe injury. They're playing well and they continue to play well. And I think they will, but it is something to monitor the Bucs. They lost all those weapons yesterday evening. It's going to be something to look at as well as far as when everybody comes back. If Mike Evans re-aggravates the injury, you know, the Bucs, I think they're going to be in fine shape, but they will be hobbled like the Packers and the Cardinals how do we know that they're just not going to nosedive? Because that's what they've done the first two years under Cliff Kingsbury. Nosedive. Kyler Murray, I said it earlier, he just kind of gets hurt as the season goes goes on. That's how his you know career has gone. The later in the season, he's not healthy and his play drops. The Cardinals could do a complete 180. I'm not predicting it. They just lost to the Lions, though. And great teams, when you have a great season, you don't lose to the Lions. You can lose some games. Again, I I, I say it every time, but you don't lose to the Lions, which they did. And the Rams, of course, they're going to be a threat. You know, you you don't know with COVID, though. And the Niners, they've lost as many many games because, you know, they're they're an imbalanced team. I think they're, you know, striding at the right time. But the point is here for the Cowboys, there's no perfect team. There's no perfect team in the NFC right now. And don't don't worry too much because of it. Anybody can beat anybody. And the Cowboys, they might just be humming at the right time because their air attack just might be rounding the corner. One thing that I think, you know, rarely anything goes under the radar nowadays and underreported. There's too many outlets. Everybody... Like me and you can speak into a microphone and inform someone about something, and you know you don't you no longer need to work at ESPN or Fox Sports or a major outlet. You can be your own network. You you by social media media you are the media. You can put whatever you want out there. But one thing I he- haven't heard a, a peep about is the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa. They just rattled off six wins in a row. After previously losing seven in a row, I think it's, you know, it's been mentioned. It hasn't been in depth talked about the Dolphins turnaround. They're, they're seven and seven they They're you know, you, you see it on the television. They're in the hunt for the playoffs. They're, they're not gonna make the playoffs, but man, have they kind of flipped the script on exactly what they're going to be about to a ultimately middle of the pack quarterback, Uh, very limited in what he can do in the passing game. Physically, he looks a little bit better than last year, but this is going to be a team built on special teams and defense, and particularly uh, blitzing and putting pressure on the opposing quarterback. If you can do that, they're going to win some games. I I mean, I look at their their six-game winning streak here. They've scored 30 points twice. Other than that, you know, it's been in the teens and the 20s in which they took home took home a W. They limited their opponent to 9, 10, 17, 10, 9, and yesterday 24 points. So again, 9, 10, 17, 10, 9, and 24. That's pretty doggone good. This is a well-coached Brian Flores defensive team. And I think we got to start looking at Miami as a situation where if they just figure out How to be more dynamic through the air? It's not even a matter of talent, I don't think, because you look at Mike Gaseski you look at Waddle, Parker. These are names that you know. You know they're not devoid of talent. They're they're not the best receivers. I don't think they need to get you know way better at the skills positions. Maybe a dynamic back like a Christian McCaffrey if they wanted to target him through trade. Um, you know, that would obviously upgrade the offense, but if you can just find a little bit better offensively through the air, you know, they could contend right there with Buffalo and New England for the division title. I really think you could like, is a Derek Carr proposition like that crazy? I don't think it is, you know, it is seen since you have the cap space, what Atlanta might trade. Uh, would they trade a Matt Ryan to come down to Miami? Like uh, that would be a really big upgrade for Tua, which again, I like Tua. I like him as a backup. He'll play it safe. He'll be able to make some throws. He's obviously high character. He's going to study and be prepared, but y- you just, you can't make enough explosive plays offensively. And it's, you know, identified through you just scoring 20 points in and- winning games. albeit uh th- during the six game win streak. So, Again, a, a simple upgrade. You don't have to go for the home run, like Deshaun Watson. If you do get a Deshaun Watson, no, that's great. He, he would be a, a, an excellent upgrade, or even an Aaron Rodgers. Both two things are uh, unlikely to happen. But even just going for like a double, swinging for a double in this quarterback market with a Derek Carr, a Matt Ryan, um, even, a, even a Jameis Winston, if he becomes available again would would be a huge upgrade for these dolphins. They've they've won 6 in a row and th- they did lose 7. So that that's, you know, they're they're not a perfect team. But I think they're a lot closer to the top of the AFC East than maybe we're giving them credit to and you know, hats off to the dolphins. This is kind of snuck up on us, but they they've been playing really good football and it's a real credit to Brian Flores. You know, you go down the list here from just yes, and I know there's four games left to play here in week 15, but you go down the list of the coaches that won, they would read McDermott, Campbell, Flores, McCarthy, Tomlin, uh, Coley, Taylor, Shanahan, uh, 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 Lafleur. And then Dennis Allen or, you know, Sean Payton since he had COVID. So, you know, a lot of names, a lot of household names on that list. I know we don't all know Zach Taylor, Dan Campbell, uh, Matt Lafleur's obviously rising. Uh, David Coley, he's a nobody. But, you know, you, you're seeing over this 17-game schedule, man, coaches, you know, those, those guys that are making 10-plus million. Like, I, I know there was this report that came out a couple months ago about Belichick, Obviously, being the highest-paid coach and making probably twenty million bucks, Andy Reid being close behind it, maybe like four or five million shy, uh, which is a lot of money. But you know, you know, they're they're making real big boy bucks when a short time ago, coaches weren't paid even near that ballpark. But you know what? It, it's worth it. it. It really is. And you can even ask the Las Vegas Raiders, who their season has turned. South, you know, clearly for a lot of reasons, largely because their play caller and their offensive guru, John Gruden, who is getting ten million a year, they don't have available anymore. And you know what? You can bind a ten million dollar head coach with a twenty-five million dollar man and Derek Carr. That's a pretty good combination. You know, you you have Aaron Rodgers who makes thirty-five million, Russell Wilson thirty-five. You can have a subpar coach. Which Pete Carroll, obviously he's going to the Hall of Fame, but we, we're all in agreement here. He's just like, he, he's not really uh, early in his innovations offensively. So he is holding him back to a degree. And LaFleur, I think we would all say he's nowhere near the coach that he would be if he didn't have Aaron Rodgers. So you have $35 million on that side of it in the quarterback. But, you know, if you don't have a head coach, you're kind of in a lot of fucking trouble. Like... Remember uh, Aaron Rodgers before Matt LaFleur? Like, we were shoving Mike McCarthy out the door uh, way sooner than he actually got it. Like, they they arguably held on too long, even though it was unceremonious in how they fired uh, Mike McCarthy. And, and look at Andy Reid prior to Patrick Mahomes. What was he doing? Going to the playoffs, <laughs> like, with, with Alex Smith. Like, if you don't have a head coach, you are fucked in this league. There's no doubt about it. I have always said, everybody thinks this is a quarterback-driven league. It is, but it misrepresents. If you don't have a head coach, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. Josh Allen is thriving largely because Sean McDermott knows how to build a football roster along with their general manager. They have an identity and they establish it. Look at Matt Ryan. Like he, he, He's a very good player, but when did he win the MVP? When he had an excellent offensive coordinator who's now a head coach. And has his team humming at the right time in San Francisco. Tom Brady. He's never had a bad head coach, right? It's always been Belichick or Arians. Both guys that are going to the Hall of Fame. Like, if you don't have a head coach, your team's probably a joke. Like Trevor Lawrence, saving grace to Jacksonville. Yeah, his guy just got canned after 13 games. Which, I'm not even going to talk in depth about it. We we all knew that was coming at, at the end of the season. But, I mean, like, Joe Burrow. Like, do we know he has a great head coach? Like, you know, the Bengals—they win one, they lose one, they win one, they lose one. Maybe Zach Taylor's great. We'll we'll see. It's kind of been the first full season when they actually won some games. Like, head coaches are shiny now, especially during the seventeen-game season. It's too many ball games, too many ball games, too much parity. You're going to lose some. Who knows how to adapt in season? Who knows how to build a, a foolproof roster? Over the course of you know the calendar year, because you're going to be playing in all sorts of of different weather, and you're going to have guys that aren't going to be available each you know week, week to week, it's it's going to change who you can plug in there and, and roll out uh, eleven on eleven. Hat tip to the coaches. We are in the absolute grind, the absolute dog days of the season. It's week fifteen. We got three more weeks before the playoffs, and the ones who have been there before, they're shining the brightest reminder everybody next week we'll be coming to you later it's not gonna be on monday likely we'll be recording on tuesday maybe wednesday you know it's extended holiday i'm gonna be in chicago watching the games there for week 16 enjoying christmas with miss taylor's folks and and her people so we we gotta adjust the schedule but we'll still be coming to you still be giving you the takes hot delivery only tell your friends about the podcast I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed, reviewed. Uh, really appreciate all the loyal listeners. We're going to keep it rolling. Have a great, happy, and safe holiday season. We will see you next week.